0: The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Well, if you have your Bibles, open them to Joshua chapter 14. Uh, I finished up last week in looking at the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I don't I didn't want to start into the next topic as we're walking through systematic theology. One of the next things we're going to look at is um, the church. Uh, and we're going to look at how God's church should be uh, set up and uh, its purpose, and and uh, I'm pretty excited about that. But I didn't want to start that right away, and so I'm going to preach kind of a standalone sermon um, tonight uh, because next Sunday night I will I won't be here. I'll be out of town, and Greg's going to fill in for me. Greg's going to preach, and so then I'll come back after that and and uh, we'll look at the church. But um, I'll be here Sunday morning. I just won't be here Sunday night. But uh, Joshua fourteen and fifteen i don 't get the opportunity a lot of times to just do sort of a character study or look at a, an individual and tonight i 'd like to do that for just a little bit, looking at the person of Caleb. Um, my nephew is named Caleb named after um, named after this Caleb in the Bible, and his middle name is Scott named after me, so he 's namesake of mine. but um, Caleb has always been in in scripture very uh, intriguing character a very intriguing person he's a person of bold and big faith and uh, I want to show that to you tonight because largely what we're looking at is over the the really the bulk of two chapters I'm not going to read that tonight um, I think that's merciful to you that we don't read two chapters here together but uh, I, I want to just walk through and, and then pick out parts of it so the first thing in this, when we look at Caleb, a hero of our faith, first point I want to show you is that Caleb began in tough times. He began in very tough times. Look at uh, Joshua chapter fourteen and look at verse seven. Well, actually, start in verse six. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh uh, the Kinezite, said to him. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word um, again as it was in my heart. I uh, brought him word again as it was in my heart. Uh, he says there a very interesting statement, and we it, really would probably just pass over it if we didn't think about this in context when. When Moses sent the 12 spies in to spy out the land, um, Caleb says here that he was 40 years old. He was one of those spies. He was 40 years old, which means that Caleb was born into slavery in Egypt. I mean, we just don't think about that, but he was born as a slave in Egypt, and he began in very, very tough times. Uh, Caleb, though, came out with the people when they were delivered. Uh, I mean, wouldn't that be one of your all time favorite places to go back to if you could, if you could go back and witness the uh, the deliverance of the people out of Egypt and watch them cross the Red Sea and all of that? I mean, it'd be pretty cool to, to witness. Caleb was one of those. He came out and he came out really in the prime of his life and witnessed the hand of God in so many ways. But he began in tough times. Caleb. Um, in so many ways, was. Rescued or redeemed by the blood of the Passover lamb. I mean, he was there. Caleb lived in one of those homes that um, God said, take the lamb, kill the lamb, and take the blood of the lamb and paint the blood on the the doorposts and the lintel of your homes and go inside. And this night, the death angel will pass through and will kill um, the firstborn there. And uh, Caleb was... One of those who witnessed that and he was saved by coming into a home and hiding under the blood of the Passover lamb. Uh, not only that, but he was delivered from Egypt. He came out. He was part of that group that that left in a hurry and then saw Egypt turn and come out after him and uh, saw them coming on their heels. And Egypt, uh, he was one of the ones that had actually walked across and came across. Uh, dry land where there used to be water. I mean, imagine what he saw. He, uh, he was also among the group that was given hope of a promised inheritance, that he would go into Canaan, that he would go into the land of, land of Canaan, and uh, he was promised this inheritance. I couldn't help but think about Caleb, and I've thought about this often, that he started in rough times, and probably some of you here also um, either started or have lived in rough times. We're in, we're in a uh, downturned economy. Um, nothing like some of the things, though, that, that um, those that were alive in the Great Depression witnessed. Um, you know, sometimes I look at uh, my grandparents and others that came through that, and I wonder, why do you save all this stuff? You ever, you ever know, know anybody that just saves everything, you know? I mean, just you know, milk jugs. Just save milk jugs, you know? Why, why do you save milk jugs? Well, they save milk jugs and they save toilet seats and they save this and that all over the place because there was a time when it was so tough that they went without and so you never know when that's going to come back around. And so they learned from that. And it, it, it impacted an entire generation. And some of you, maybe there's some of you in here that know a whole lot more about that than I do. But it impacted an entire generation, largely to the point where um, down through the generations to, to my generation, we know very little about suffering some of you in here were born in very hard times and raised in hard times. I remember my dad talking about growing up in the mountains of East Tennessee, and we'd be out on, um, on walks. And I think I've shared this with you before, but we'd be walking in the road, and, you know, dad would look up the hill and say, you see that plant up there? You know, that's, that's what we called toilet paper, you know, right there. Uh, I know that's kind of crude and crass in here, but, uh, but that's, that's the truth. Dad would say that's what we had. That's all we had. Um, dad would, you know, every year at Christmas, you know, we open up and there's just paper flying everywhere. You know, Micaiah is the oldest of, of seven grandchildren. And, and, uh, so that means from, from 13, you know, down, there's seven of them and there's paper flying everywhere and boxes and I mean, batteries. Oh, we didn't get the batteries and all this stuff. And my dad, every single year, will say the same thing. You know, when I was a kid, we were lucky to get an orange, you know, or, or, and my kids look at him, and, an orange? What are you talking about? I had one this morning. You know, I just went in the kitchen and got one. Now, that was Christmas for him. Well, Caleb was born into hard times and went through hard times. And um, some of you have as well. Some of you, you know, Caleb was born. At, if you think about the, the, the spiritual climate in which Caleb was born into as well, um, it was hard. I mean, in the land of Egypt, multiple gods. Uh, very little truth. The Messiah had not come yet. Um, yet he comes out of that with a strong faith and written into the Bible as one that we should look to to emulate as we seek to exercise faith. And that some of you have come out of very difficult home situations, family life, where the gospel was not lived out for you. It was not communicated. You weren't, you weren't taken to church, but somehow you've, you've come to this point Well, it's a testimony to the faithfulness of God. Um, Caleb began in very tough times. And uh, just as Caleb was redeemed by the blood of the Passover lamb, just as he was delivered from Egypt, just as he looked forward to the promised land, many of you tonight here could say also, I have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I have been delivered. Uh, I love talking to Ray Fowler um, because Ray Ray understands very strongly just what he's been delivered from. If you talk to Ray, you'll get, you'll get a sense of that. He knows where he was, and he knows what God's done in his life and where God's brought him to. And um, all of us, it would do us good to be mindful of just what God has delivered us from. I think back to, at me, and I, I would say that at an early age, but, you know, like all of us, I did some pretty dumb things, you know. And uh, God delivered me out of those. And and I remember having some life goals for myself that I'm so glad that, you know, God said, no, you know, no, we're not going there. Um, When I, when I surrendered to ministry, I didn't, ministry was the last thing I wanted to do. But now I rejoice in it. I thank God for it. I thank God that my job every week is to study God's word and, um. You know, to think what I've been delivered from. And you could say the same thing, what you've been delivered from. And all of us, just like Caleb, we have been promised this land that is coming to us. That one day, this world will be gone. I was thinking about this earlier as I was blowing my nose for about the 400th time today because of allergies. I can't wait till heaven gets here because I'm pretty sure there will be no allergies in heaven. Okay. There will be no need for Allegra or Flonase or neti pots or anything else. OK, um, we have this home that's coming to us and that's that's good news. Well, secondly, in the life of Caleb, Caleb, though, and maybe it was because of the tough times that he was born into, he learned what it was to stand alone. He often stood alone. Turn with me back to the book of Numbers. We'll spend just a little bit of time in Numbers As we walk through this, go to Numbers chapter 13. And Numbers 13 and 14 really reveals the um, this this time when Moses sent the 12 spies into the land. This is going back. This would be Caleb remembering, remembering what happened. Numbers 13, beginning in verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. This fruit is talking about if you go back a few verses, they they plucked this uh, one cluster of grapes from this vine and put it on a pole and carried it between two people It was just enormous um, verse 28 however the, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large and besides we saw the descendants of Anak there the Amalekites dwell in the land of Negeb, the Hittites the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought the uh, brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land. And they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. Uh, And there we saw the Nephilim, uh, the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and we seem to uh, to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we uh, we seem to them. Verse fourteen, chapter fourteen, verse one. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, "Would that we had died in the land of Egypt." Or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation, of the people, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the peoples of Israel. There's Caleb going in and he's he's standing alone. He goes into this land and he sees just this beautiful land flowing with milk and honey. It's an expression that means that it's just bountiful. I mean, it's it's a great place. And yes, there are large people there. And yes, there are well fortified cities there. But. Caleb is of the mindset that, you know, if God brought us out of Egypt, the most powerful army of the day. And did all that we've seen him do through all the plagues and the, and the, um, the dividing of the water and letting us cross on, on dry land and destroying the Egyptian army. I really don't think the people of this land are too, too much. If God's really with us, we can do this. Let's go. But all of the rest of the people, all the rest of the spies that went in. They became fearful and they gave a bad report. And Caleb here says, I mean, he demonstrates for us what it is to stand alone. Um, only only Caleb and Joshua give this favorable report. They walk by faith, not by sight. He understands what it is to say, you know what? Yes, it looks bad. But our God is big. Our God is stronger than anything that will ever come against us. Um People that stand alone, that stand on great faith, oftentimes see opportunities where others see obstacles. And um, you can't help but to think about this in the context of us here as a local church and uh, and to look at the community around us. I just met with a, a, a group and we were talking about the influence of Islam coming in, um, not just in various areas of the world, but even into America and even into our region in Greenville, Spartanburg area, Islam's coming in um, really by droves. Um, and you, you think about that and you think, boy, what, what should we do as, as a church? I mean, we're just a little little church. We're predominantly you know, white and we're predominantly, you know, what should we do? What, what do we do? Well, the answer is not for us to turn inward and hide. The answer is for us to look and say, you know what? Maybe God has put us here in this moment just for this. If no one else will stand with us, we would stand alone and say, our God is stronger than anything that will come against us. Those people that are that are uh, following Islam or, or or following Jehovah's Witness or um, the Mormons or whatever the case may be, the answer is. Not that we just all get along. One of my least favorite bumper stickers, and if you have it on your car, um, no offense, but you, you may find me out there one day scraping it off. I, I just, I don't like it at all. It's the coexist bumper sticker that has all the different um, religions symbols all together. And I, you say, well, it's, it's harmless, I guess, that it, they just, it's, it's saying we're all going to believe different things, but we, we should just get along. Well, I think it's saying more than that. I think it's saying at its heart that we're all worshiping the same God. We call him by different names. Therefore, just shut up already. The answer is not for us to shut up. The answer is for us to stand alone. If no one else will stand with us and proclaim boldly that there is no salvation in any other name other than the name of Jesus Christ. Whether it's Islam, Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism. Um, whatever the case may be. Uh, and there are a myriad of others that we must take a stand on. Caleb also, he began in tough times. He often stood alone. But think about what he went through as they stood there. He says, Yes, we can go. We can go into land. Let's take the land. But these other spies, the ten other spies, um, say, No, we can't. And the people decide not to go. And for These 40 years, they wander in the wilderness. Um, Think about what all Caleb witnessed in those 40 years. God had said that not not one person who is 20 years old or older will enter the promised land because of your lack of faith. Not one person. Think about what Caleb witnessed over the course of those 40 years. Every single day. Of his life for the next 40 years, out of the thousands upon thousands of people that were traveling through the desert, every single day he watched someone die. Every single day he watched someone that was his peer die. Um, We don't want to separate ourselves from this. Let's keep going in Numbers. Numbers chapter 14. Pick it up in verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, how long shall the wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness and all of and of all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upwards who have grumbled against me. Not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh and Joshua, the son of Nun. Out of all these people, 20 years old and older, Caleb and Joshua are the only two of that that segment. That will go into the promised land. He's going to watch all of them die. That's, that's pretty hardcore, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't that get depressing over time? He watched peers come and go. He, uh, he didn't die in the wilderness, but he still had to suffer in the wilderness because he had to watch friends and family members and those around him die there in the wilderness. Um. How was Caleb able to? uh, I wrote this question. How was Caleb able to maintain uh, his spiritual life as he's watching this? I mean, for forty years watching people die. How in the world is he for forty years able to remain faithful? As I thought about it, I thought I think largely because his heart was not in the wilderness. I think his heart was in Canaan. He had been promised that this other land was coming. And while he did not like it, he knew that this was only temporary and he knew that he would one day go into the land that was promised to him with this up and coming generation and they would enter into God's promise to them the same way you and I today. um, There are some people that we associate with um, that may call themselves by the name of christian they may take the name of christ but we know that based on how they act and what they say and how they grumble against god that they certainly don't behave like they're a believer and we must realize that there are some that we associate with that may call themselves christians that may be church members that will not enter into the promised land of god and that's hard sometimes it's hard to watch them grumble and see them bitter and and see them complain. And see them walk away. But I would tell you to hang on because there is a promised land coming. That one of these days, heaven is a reality. And we will be with all of the saints of God. And we will gather around his throne and live there for all, uh, forever. Um, look, at, uh, look at Joshua. Go back to Joshua, if you will. Keep your finger maybe in numbers, but in back in Joshua, um, chapter fifteen, verses thirteen, and uh, I'm sorry, chapter fourteen, verses nine through twelve. And in verse nine, and Moses swore on that day, saying, "Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an." Inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord, my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. This is Caleb here telling this as the land is being divided up, as Joshua is dividing the land. Behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day. Eighty five years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. Uh, My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on the day that you heard on the day of how the Anakim were there were with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. He watched peers come and go, but he also, in the end, saw the promise come to reality. Caleb, when the land is being divided out and finally they are going into the land and they have conquered and they're going in. He is going to take the very land that was promised to him. Um, he's going to conquer this mountain. Um, Colossians 3, I won't have you turn there, but Colossians 3, verses 1 and 4, 1 through 4, talks about that um, we, we don't live for this world, but we live for the next, that we look to, to that place as reality, and our minds and our hearts are there. And that's the way we should live, the way Caleb lived, standing alone and looking to this promise that God had made to him. And also in this passage I just read, the fourth thing I want to show you tonight is that that Caleb conquered a mountain when he was too old to conquer a mountain. Um, Wouldn't you like to be able to say when you're 85 years old, my strength is the same today as it was when I was 40 years old. Wouldn't that be nice? I can take this mountain. Give it to me. That's that's that'd be pretty good. Um, Here he conquers this mountain when he's too old to and. When you read this, I can't help but to think that there are people in this congregation that many of you have served through the years. You've you've done your time. You've done VBS and Sunday school and um, you've been a deacon and you've sang in the choir and you've done all these things. And some of you may be at the point where you say, you know, I've done my thing. I'm going to sit down and let other people serve. And I would tell you, don't don't sit down. Uh, There is a place in the body of Christ for every single believer, every single one of us. I've shared with you multiple times my grandfather and his resiliency in in serving the Lord. And uh, some of you back there have met my grandfather, and um, hopefully one day he'll be able to come and you'll get to meet him firsthand. But, um, you know, he's well up in his 80s, survivor of uh, World War II. He's a survivor of uh, cancer um, been through all sorts of things. Last year, we prayed for him as he went through heart valve replacement and almost died. Then he's gone through all of this, and today my grandfather is as diligent in serving in his church as he ever has been. He's been a deacon so long in the church that that they don't let it; they won't let him be an active deacon anymore. He kind of went on this sort of deacon emeritus, and he's sort of um, he's sort of over here, and he's fine with it. Because he still gets involved in the youth ministry and all these other things. And he serves. And what we need is to never have the mindset that we're through. Caleb never had the mindset that he was through. Even when he was old. Give me this mountain. And he conquered a mountain when he was way too old to conquer the mountain. Um, and God keeps his promises, as I said. Um, you see that if you go forward into Joshua and you go to 15, 13 through 14, we won't read it, but he goes to this mountain and he drives out the people that are still there and he conquers it for the glory of God. And the Bible says that after he did that, that there was a ceasing of war, that there was peace there uh, and God used him to capture the land. The last thing I want to show you tonight about the life of Caleb is this, that Caleb... In his serving, in his never-say-die mentality, Caleb was able to provide for future generations. Um, Turn back to Numbers. I told you to keep your finger there. Numbers chapter 14, we see Caleb providing for these future generations. Numbers 14, verse 31. But your little ones, who you said would become a prey, I will bring in. And they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness. And your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years and shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies in the wilderness. Um, Here, Caleb, uh, his serving and his finally going in provides for future generations, those generations that would come after him. In fact, Caleb's nephew um, off, um, Caleb's nephew gained Caleb's daughter Othniel married Caleb's daughter and, uh, and inherited land And went on to become a judge for the nation And uh, he provided for it And I couldn't help but to read this also And to think that much of what we're doing here today Is not for us um, I've said this to you before but there are some of you that we will serve here together, and we will labor in the gospel together, and the work that will be done, you will never see. I pray that I'm able to say, um, you know, 25, 30 years from now, uh, that I'm retiring as your pastor. Uh, I don't want to go anywhere. I hope that I'm here, but I also am very keenly aware that I may serve here that long. I may not, but I may serve here that long. And we may never see this church become what we want it to see in my life, what it want it to become in my lifetime. Uh, but what we're doing here is laying a foundation to raise up a gospel-centered, biblically strong foundation for generations to come. Don't you love when, we, when you see families joining this church? Don't you love when you see kids that are coming along? I, I love the fact that I was able to read to you this morning that they had a Mario Kart DS tournament last night and, or the other night, and there were 20-something kids that played in that stupid thing, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for that because, yes, they're coming and they're playing Mario Kart, but they're also coming and they're hearing the gospel. Lana told me this week in 3M um, that one of our own, um, one of our own kids, uh, she's probably seven, eight, nine years old, she came to my wife. And in 3M, the, the little ones, the little bitty ones, they're not learning the verse. The verse is a little, probably a little tough for them. So what they're doing is they're learning all of the books of the Bible in order. Well, this seven or eight, nine-year-old girl came to my wife, and she's learning the verse. But she came to Lana, and she said, Miss Lana, Miss Lana, I can say all of the books of the Bible. Really? We've not been working on that. Yeah, my brother taught them to me. Your brother, your four or five year old brother taught you all of the books of the Bible? Yes, Miss Lana. Would you like me to say them for you? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And she just went with it. Isn't that great that a younger sibling is teaching an older sibling what they are learning here that is pointing them toward valuing Christ? More than anything. And I'm telling you what you're doing in sacrificially serving the kingdom of God and laying aside maybe your desires is serving future generations. And that to me is worth its weight in gold. I mean, we could do nothing better than to make sure this next generation is stronger in the faith than we are. My dad worked hard all of his life. I told you he was born into hard times. He was uh, one of many children growing up in East Tennessee that didn't have much. Um, You know, my grandfather couldn't read, um, dropped out of school really, really early, uh, didn't have a driver's license, farmed all of his life in rocky hillside country up there in the mountains. And my dad would always labor and he would work hard. Many times he would work um, 16 hours in a day. He would get up at 4.30 in the morning and drive an hour to work and, and work all the way from 6 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night and drive an hour back home to get up at 4.30 again and do it all over. And my dad worked hard and I always thought, I wish my dad was around a little bit more, but I know what my dad was doing. My dad was trying to make things better for me than they were for him. And w- what could we do that could be any more important Than to say we're going to prepare for the next generation. Amen. Amen. The life of Caleb I think is a very um, inspiring life. And I've just scratched the surface. But he is a man of great faith. um, Began in tough times. Stood alone. He watched his peers come and go. He conquered a mountain. And he prepared for the next generation. And I think we can learn much. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we are humbled, God, that you would call us. God, we're, uh, we're taken aback if we, if we think about all that has had to happen to bring us to this point. God, we sit in this room tonight in freedom, able to, without any fear or threat, Proclaim you to be the king of kings. To hail you as redeemer. God, I pray that, uh, first of all, thank you for what's brought us to this point. But God, secondly, I pray that we would not be so self-centered that we would let it all end on us. But God, that we would follow the example of Caleb and God, that we would labor long and hard and put aside our own wants and desires and, and pour our lives out, knowing that this world is not our home and preparing the way for future generations. God, if you don't come back before my life is over, I pray that I would do everything I can to leave a legacy of faith, a foundation of faith, For those generations that will come behind us. God, I pray that Abner Creek would be that kind of church. God, that we say we want to see the kingdom of God advanced in our children. In our children's children. In nations abroad. In the community around us. And God, that we would get our eyes off of ourselves. Lord, that we would pour ourselves out in great faith in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.